This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're looking at a UFO sighting in Hagerstown, Maryland. That's correct, UFO sighting in Hagerstown, Maryland. Now, the first article, it's a typical debunker. We'll slog through it, but I just want to show you the contrast between it and the second article that we look at uh, regarding some UFO sightings in Maryland and, and show you the difference between a well-written article and one that is just more of this deep state narrative control type stuff. Now, this is from RadioFreeHubCity.com. Title says UFO sighting in Hagerstown. What was it? And it has an artist rendering. Apparently, these people were at this skate park. They look up and they see three of these orb type UFOs in a triangle formation suspended there in the clouds. And it's a pretty cloudy night. It says Hagerstown, Maryland, uh, January 12, 2023. On Wednesday, January 4th, 2023, witnesses reported to the site UFO Stalker that a triangle-shaped formation of lights was spotted over Hagerstown at approximately 11.30 p.m. Was this a craft of extraterrestrial origin, or is there another possible explanation? Hagerstown was previously investigated by the FBI for UFO sightings, in part due to its proximity to Washington, D.C. So you can see what's happening here. This is basically content creation. Someone's been trolling along these UFO reporting websites. They pick up this site that's local to this area. They write an article about it, and they plaster the site full of ads. This more or less just created to drive ad revenue. That's that's the main thing behind it. What would have caused the appearance of what was believed to be a UFO in the night sky on January 4th? So they completely ignore the actual report. And they go right to the debunking part, and they list things like natural phenomena, meteorites, aurora, or ball lightning. Okay, kind of don't think that the northern lights are all the way down there. Astronomical objects such as planets, stars, or satellites, man-made objects such as airplanes, helicopters, drones, or flares, optical illusions or misconceptions of familiar objects, hoaxes, or pranks. So they've just thrown the kitchen sink at this report. Doing this is a typical debunking article. They uh, give uh, basically little to no credence to the uh, sighting report whatsoever, and they just throw all this debunking nonsense onto it. To better understand what could and could not have played a factor in possibly a post sighting, first we need to look at the weather. According to Weather Underground on January 4th between 10.53 and 11.53, the weather was cloudy but not raining, with humidity between 89% and 93%. While this eliminates most astronomical objects from being mistaken for a UFO, and there were no weather events which would cause lightning, this does open a possibility of airplanes being more likely mistaken for a UFO. Now this here argument is just utter nonsense. An airplane is going across the sky. This was reported as a UFO, uh, formation of UFOs, rather, hovering there in the sky. It's completely different. High humidity can cause light from an overhead airplane to appear distorted or scattered, 
This is due to the presence of water vapor in the air, which can refract or bend light as it passes through. This can cause the light to appear to be coming from a different direction or to be split into multiple images. Additionally, the water vapor in the air can scatter the light, causing it to appear dimmer or to take on a heavy appearance, hazy appearance. This can make it more difficult to see the airplane or determine altitude. It rambles on like this for a bit, and then it says, then points out that there's a... a an airport in the general area that West Virginia has a National Guard not so far away. And they have a picture of the skate park, which obviously it's a kind of a very dark, hazy night. And you can see those typical halos around the street lights and the parking area, security lights there. This has got nothing to do with, with what those people saw. This, this uh, refraction of light that happens and these heavy you know, humid or wet conditions like this, that doesn't explain what these folks saw. They saw three orbs in the shape of a triangle hovering in the sky above the skate park, period. That's what they saw. And this article just goes to great lengths and just, I mean, it's just bizarre. It, it, speaking of conspiracy theories, it would be a conspiracy theory to try to believe the explanations these guys put forth. Then it also says it could also be this was a small localized meteor shower. Now that's just absolute craziness. I mean, if you've seen meteor showers, those things dart across the sky. They're not coming down at you like rain, okay? It shows that the author of this really doesn't have any kind of comprehension how things like meteor showers even work. It says, uh, multiple reports of a large fireball in the sky several hours earlier from the West Virginia Panhandle all the way to western Illinois. Well, big deal. That's that's a meteorite. That's what happens. You People report these fireballs, and sometimes you can see them, you know, within hundreds of miles because they're way, way out there. Uh, sometimes they hit the planet. Sometimes they just scoot on by, but they see that that uh, far, that that bright trail behind him as they skirt across our atmosphere. It says, uh, finally, these, there's always a possibility that this UFO was a hoax by a neighbor. Now, this is almost the most unreasonable one, as if people had the time to go out and do something like this. As drones become cheaper and more available, it's easy to play pranks and na on neighbors and make them think space aliens are invading. It's almost like, it's almost like they just uh, pumped a few facts into the chat box and ask it to produce a uh, poorly written article debunking a local uh, UFO sighting. Reaching out to local government, Wes Decker, with the city of Hagerston, that's appeal to authority, confirmed they had not received any reports regarding a UFO on that day. This means that the likely number of witnesses was very low and not enough that the city would be notified of the sighting. Now, that's a false assumption. Okay, That's clearly uh, a a, a fallacy. Just because the city didn't receive reports doesn't mean that people didn't see it. They, they, you had reports to New Fork. Secondly, most people don't report these things. They figure, why bother? So this is another debunking tactic that make a false assumption. The Washington County government did not immediately respond to inquiries regarding the UFO sighting. Well, if they didn't respond to your inquiries regarding the sighting, why would they respond to people regarding the reporting of the sighting. And then in conclusion, and this is this is just written from such a self-important, uh, arrogant view. It's painful to read. In conclusion, we believe that the UFO sighting on January 4th was most likely the result of 
humidity in a low-flying airplane. At this time, no extraterrestrials seem interested in what we're doing here in Hagerstown, and that's probably for the best. Article by multiple RFHC staff. I mean, if the self-importance and the arrogance and the pridefulness doesn't just ooze from this article, my goodness. But this is just another, I mean, this is really noticeable because uh, they don't write well enough to disguise their bias. Or maybe it's just their fear of coming to grips with the reality of the UFO phenomenon. But I think it's a good example of how this this uh, attempt to control the narrative. And I think it's going to get worse because obviously as we as a society become more connected, as more more people own high quality cell phones, just think first cell phone becomes widely ava- becomes widely available in what two thousand nine or something. A lot of people didn't have cell phones with decent cameras until I don't know two thousand twelve, two thousand fifteen. And so all these folks coming online now with these where really good cell phones have become uh, inexpensive. And not just in the U.S., but across the world, you know, people owning these things were, were able to uh, record video and immediately upload that video. So the level of connectivity has just increased exponentially in the last 15, 20 years. And as such, more and more of these UFOs have become reported more people that see them uh, are they, they actually have to believe their own eyes. They're not necessarily trying to come up with their own explanation. They're just saying, look, it was there. I saw it. It wasn't a drone. It wasn't a weather event. It wasn't an airplane. It was something. It was unidentified. And it seems like the more, the more uh, obvious this phenomenon becomes, the more real it becomes, the more in your face it becomes, the more outlandish some of these debunkers become to the point where these articles they write are just silly. Now, I want to go on to the next article, which I think was written a lot better. And this one is from BaltimoreMagazine.com, and it's UFO sighting in Maryland. UFO sightings in Maryland are more common than you think. Articles by Suzanne Loudermilk, July 2022. It says nine statewide agencies have already, nine statewide sightings have already been reported this year alone, but it's believed many more witnesses of these events have not disclosed them. It goes on, it says, The day after Valentine's Day this year, Deborah Carter of Pikesville woke up and realized she didn't have any coffee, so she drove to a rural farm store on Risertown Road around 6 a.m. to satisfy her caffeine craving. On her way home, she realized she wasn't alone. Quote, I noticed there was a ball of light in the sky that was traveling the same distance as I was, and it caught my eye. I thought, that's weird. There's no noise. No flashing red lights for a police helicopter. My first thought was maybe this was a drone, but it was too high in the sky. As she turned on the McDonald Road, then Iron Horse Lane, the mysterious object continued to follow her. When she came to a stop, it hovered above her car, and she took photos. I'd never seen anything like it before, she said. I became afraid. Well, that's a perfectly normal reaction. She sees this orb in the sky, obviously following her for an extended period, and even after she takes a picture of it. Now, clearly, that's not a drone, it's not an airplane, it's not a weather event. It's some type of unidentified flying object. And Carter, 68, a national director for a senior employment program in Washington, D.C., 
quickly parked and went into her apartment. Inside, she checked the photos on her phone and realized the craft had changed shapes. In one image, it was cylindrical. In another, it was oval with an oar around it. Classic UFO behavior. You don't want to share this stuff with people because of the stigma, that, because of the stigma that's attached, she says. People think you're making it up or you've done something to the camera. I'm not that electronically savvy. I don't know how to Photoshop pictures. Through online research, Carter discovered the Washington State-based National UFO Reporting Center, or NUFORC, an organization founded in 1974 and dedicated to collecting data about UFOs. She posted her story with the photos on its website. If you look at those pictures, you know it's something that's not of this world, Carter says. I thought nothing like this would come to Maryland. I was under the impression that if you happen to see something like this, it's in a deserted area or someplace like Arizona. Yeah, because it's safer to think that these things are someplace else, away from us. Carter is not the only Marylander who's seen something unusual in the skies. From January through April 20th this year, that would have been 2022, nine residents, including Carter, reported aerial sightings on the New Fork site from Baltimore to Berlin. Since New Fork website was created in 1995, 149,000 written reports have been received from around the country. 1,686 of those from Maryland. And while Maryland falls on the low side of U.S. reporting sightings, California has the most. Peter Davenport, a New Fork director since 1994, believes many more people witness these events than disclose them. Now, Peter Davenport, I've always thought he sounded like a really uh, cool, believable uh, older guy. And you hear him on uh, Coast to Coast sometimes when I used to listen to them. He says, I, this quote, I estimated that out of between 10,000 and 20,000 sightings of what the witnesses sincerely believe is a UFO, only one of those people will report it to an organization like mine, he says, the Stanford University graduate. That's the reason we know so little about UFOs. Most sightings go unreported. Yes, most sightings go unreported. But you can start to see the trend change a little bit. Because of the cell phones, people are able to take the picture, snap a picture, put it on YouTube, put it on Twitter, put it on Facebook, get it on the Internet. Davenport, who spends seven days a week monitoring the New Fork website to weed out hoaxes, feels humanity is facing the eternal existential question, are we alone in the universe or are we not? Believers around the world would like to know, too, and celebrate the unexplained sightings each year on July 2nd, World UFO Day, when they encourage others to look upward to raise awareness of unidentified flying objects. The term UFO is credited to Kenneth Arnold, an amateur pilot who was flying near Mount Rainier in Washington in 1947 when he saw a series of airborne discs. He later described the event to a newspaper using the words unidentified and flying objects according to a 2014 article in the Atlantic Magazine. Local publications often report on encounters before groups like New Fork were tracking them. Perhaps one of the most widely publicized Maryland sightings occurred at Lock Raven Reservoir in Baltimore County in the 1950s, when even the military got involved. The surreal scenario started at 10.30 p.m. on October 26, 1958, when Philip Small, 27, a collection manager for a finance company, was driving with his friend, Alvin Cohen, 24, a supervisor at Sears Roebuck & Company near the Lock Raven Dam. As they approached the now-demolished bridge, they saw an egg-shaped object floating above it. When Small's car went dead, the electrical system 
Then Small's car went dead. The electrical system had failed. Wow. So they see this UFO. They approached the now demolished bridge. They saw an egg-shaped object floating above it. An egg-shaped object floating above this bridge. And when they see it, the car goes dead. Its electrical system has failed. The two men got out of the vehicle and took shelter behind it. They reported seeing a brilliant flash of light and feeling heat on their faces before they heard a loud noise, like a tremendous thunderclap, Small said, and watched the object rise vertically and disappear. They were very frightened, Cohen later told the investigators. The car restarted, and in an age without cell phones, the men headed to a phone booth at the corner of Locker Raven Boulevard and Joppa Road to report what they saw. They first called the Ground Observer Groups, a U.S. military outfit of mostly volunteers during the Cold War, that watched for threatening aircraft. Their call was met, dis was met with disbelief when the man who answered the phone said, quote, Oh, come on now, and hung up on us, Small said. Next, the men called the Townsend Police Department, which sent two patrolmen to the phone booth. After giving their report, Cohen and Small headed to St. Joseph Hospital, then located on East Caroline Street in Baltimore because they were worried about radioactive burns from the object. They were examined but not treated before returning to their individual homes in northwest Baltimore. When questioned, Cohen said, I am not saying that it was a flying saucer. I don't know. I do know there are at least such things now as UFOs. And isn't that what we've been saying all the time? You know, to just sit there and deny these sayings and to try to misidentify them intentionally, to try to deperson people who encounter them or see them, and this, this is not productive. All we can say for sure is we don't know. There are such things as unidentified flying objects. After investigating the incident, a U.S. Air Force second lieutenant who interviewed several witnesses about the local Raven sightings for Project Blue Book an Air Force endeavor that investigated UFOs from 1947 to 1969 concluded, As far as this investigation has gone, this UFO remains unidentified. Tom Graff, a volunteer for the Historical Society of Baltimore County, became interested in the Lock Raven story while researching the reservoir's history. He decided to weave the tale into his talk, which was a fundraiser for the society. Quote, I knew it would be interesting, people, Graff said. I thought people would come up afterwards and say, I really loved what you did, but instead, people came up and said, yeah, I saw a UFO once too. So you see, once we bridge the topic like this sometimes, it opens up to more disclosure. Because every time people talk about an encounter or a sighting they had, and just relay the facts, that is a form of disclosure to someone else. Disclosure from the grassroots up. In another sighting in 1971, Charles Kenyon, a heavy equipment operator who lived in Frederick County, told the Baltimore Sun that he and his wife Eleanor and four of their six children were en route on 31, headed toward New Windsor, when they saw an oblong shaped with lights that Charles Kenyon described as looking like an old-time wash basin. The family reported it to the state police in Westminster, but by that time the object was gone. We stopped talking about it, Eleanor Kenyon said. People looked at us like we were wacko. Well, they looked at you like you're a wacko because they had been conditioned to deperson you once you tried to disclose that you had seen a UFO. And ask yourself, why would why would we want to 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 do that as a society? 
why would we want to deperson these people that have had these UFO sightings or experiences? Douglas Otto, 30, of Rosedale, wasn't expecting to see anything out of the ordinary when he pulled into the driveway of a property that's been in, the, in his family for four generations on April 20th this year. As he looked up, he saw a bright light that started flashing and then it started glowing purple. It seemed kind of jerky, like it was vibrating, he said. Otto went inside his house to get his girlfriend. In the backyard, he noticed that the light was so bright that it lit up a tree before it cruised away. It was a first for me, says Otto, a HVAC installer who has seen numerous planes fly over his house. It was not like anything I'd seen before. He filed a report on New, New Fork. Now, this is a guy, he's, a, he's, he's in a skilled field. He's installing, you know, heating and air conditioning. He knows something about mechanical things. I wonder if the debunkers would say that he had mistaken this UFO, which was just an airplane. Davenport believes the reports on his website serve the public. We post them to let people know what's really going on as opposed to what the government says is going on, he says. But just last year, the Pentagon announced that a group, that a new group would investigate claims of unidentified aerial phenomena, an updated name for UFO, after an earlier, earlier study failed to provide explanations for 144 incidents observed by military pilots and others over the past two decades. Don't you think it's interesting how they just totally glossed over uh, the hundred or so government employees that were shown to have had uh, brain damage after having encounters with these things? I'm going to have to bring that up again and do another podcast on it because it's not getting any kind of traction in the news. Just recently, a Southwest airline captain reported in New Fork that he and his first officer spotted two lighted objects at an extremely high altitude that moved in circular patterns as a flight crew traveled from Atlanta to Baltimore. When they made their descent, they lost sight of the unidentified aircraft. The captain noted that they didn't think they were conventional aircraft. While, in a, while the attempt at a government transparency seems to be promising, Dan Spill, Maryland State Director of Mutual UFO Network, MUFON, a nonprofit U.S. based group that investigates UFO sightings around the world, notes that the 2021 governmental report was discouraging to some ufologists or those who study UFOs. Well, yeah, because it left so much out. It left out this critical data about people being injured by these things. Okay, that was a Stanford study done there. It, it leaves out about the cattle mutilations, it doesn't mention about the abductions. It just, it just presents these things as these kind of, I don't know, almost ethereal ghost-like objects that show up that could be ball lightning, could be a drone at 60,000 feet, could be a piece of trash blowing through the wind. That's kind of how they presented it. They're not being honest with us, and people can see through it. And then there's so much of these pages that are blacked out. They're, they're just clearly keeping it from us. A lot of people were disappointed because it didn't come out and say with the big headline that UFO, UAPs are really said. But if you read the report carefully and read between the lines, what it doesn't say is important. It basically confirms it, but it does so in a, stable, in a subtle way. It was written very carefully. Well, it was written very carefully to control the narrative. Okay, It wants to leave enough doubt in that the deep state has plausible deniability. They can't. They can't come out and say too much because then it'll be clear they've been hiding uh, and covering up information 
all along. Spell 64, who retired from the U.S. Department of Defense two years ago after 32 years, oversees eight trained field investigators. They review Maryland sightings that have been reported on MUFON's website. Once Spell, who is also an investigator, receives a UFO case, he reaches out to a witness by email or phone and often visits the location of the sighting. Our number one goal is not to prove that something is not a UFO, he says. Our job is to prove that it may be one. The rule of thumb is that only about 3% of reports are probable UFOs, Spell says. Many sightings have earthly explanations such as weather balloons. Man, I get so tired of this weather balloon thing. When are we going to demand a database, a, a tracking site for weather balloons? Because if these weather balloons are being sent up into the atmosphere with such abandon, they've got to be a serious danger to passenger jets. Okay, I mean, really, this is like, this is really, I don't see the difference between this and going out with a high-powered rifle and randomly shooting it up in the air. When that bullet falls, it can kill someone. You let these weather balloons just go up randomly like this and nobody knows where they're at. What happens when a jet airliner hits one of these stupid things? Contrails from jets, aircraft, bright meteors, the planet Venus, it's always Venus, and orbiting satellites, all these can be easily... Uh, cleared out as far as as far as uh, misidentifying UFOs, but he points out that less than ten percent of the people who experience an unexplained object report what they've seen. Yes, I'm sure, and I think it's probably a lot less than that actually. They just don't want to, or they think their mind played a trick on them. He said, "We're only getting a small percentage of what people are really seeing." Well, we have to deal with the stigma attached to. UFO experiencers. According to MUFON's numbers, Maryland averages about seven sightings a month, but by early May of this year, there were about 17 reports. On any given year, the state may have 70 to 80 incidents, Spell says. A recent case took him to Howard County, where a retired law enforcement officer reported the sighting. The man who didn't want to be named saw a glowing ball about 14 feet in diameter passing over his property. It then stopped made a zigzag motion, then vertically ascended at a high rate of speed, roughly 400 miles per hour, and, and it disappeared. He was very credible, Spell said. He wasn't one to make things up or embellish. Uh, law enforcement officer, like we say, their testimony can put you away for life pretty easy. Greg Egan, a history professor at Penn State University, is writing a book about UFOs, tentatively called After the Flying Saucers Arrived, with a perspective, with a perspective publishing date of 2023. Once I started to dive into it, I found out that the only that only one academic historian, David M. Jacobs, has written about the subject, he said. And that was back in 1975. Two more Egan Higgin researched the topic, the more he became intrigued. That's all these stories of characters I was very familiar with when I was younger, he says. Now I'm looking at them through the eyes of someone who is not only older, but as an historian. He's interviewed people or examined documents of those who have seen unidentified objects or encountered aliens, as well as the media, military, skeptics, UFOologists, and debunkers. Higgin doesn't expect a resolution. He thinks that even if credible evidence becomes known, the academic and scientific communities will always continue to ask for more documentation. Well, they'll, they'll do more than that. They'll take whatever evidence that you can put your hands on as far as you know, UFO, metamaterial, whatever, and that'll be whisked off to some private company somewhere, but you'll never see it again, okay? 
I think we have to expect that the things that things will always be a riddle, Ignan says. It would be a terrible place not to have the mystery it would be a terrible place not to have the mystery anymore and have this solved. In some sense it's good that maybe we don't ever get anything truly definitive. But Dev but Deborah Carter doesn't need anything definitive. I know what I saw, she says. I know what happened to me. There's too many of us who have seen them. I think that's a perfect way to end this podcast. I know what I saw. I know what happened to me. There's too many of us who have seen them. That says it all right there. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out.